I invite you to open up your Bibles with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 15, verse 3. I fully intended to get us back into the mission discourse in, the, in Matthew chapter 10 this morning, but I did not reckon on being locked out of my office all week due to the mold cleanup. By the way, I am so thankful for all of you for working together so well last week to get the mold cleaned up. From Cindy discovering it, Cindy, thank you, to Marilyn running the communications, though they conspired to not let me know that it happened because they did not want me to be worrying about my books from far away. Thank you for thinking about me in that way. To uh, Bob and the elders and Brian and the facilities team and the whole congregation being so unified, I am so grateful for all of you. I'm sorry I missed the meeting last week. Everybody told me that it was awesome. It might have been because I wasn't here. I'm not sure. I hear the sermon was awesome and the singing was awesome and the meeting was awesome and I was gone. So praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen? So I, I couldn't get into my office to study the Gospel of Matthew with all my commentaries this week. What should I preach on? About Thursday this week, I decided to preach to you the same text that I preached last Sunday at the Hope Evangelical Free Church in Fertile, Minnesota. By the way, I bring you greetings from that church. They are not a Swedish Evangelical Free Church. They are full of Norwegians. Yeah. When, I found out, when they found out that I came from a historic Swedish Evangelical Free Church, one of them said, oh, them? <laughs> so we had some fun with that. Of course, they are pastored by an old seminary buddy of mine, Dennis Wadsworth, who used to pastor in our district up towards Buffalo. And Dennis is Italian, not Norwegian. So we had a lot of fun with that. And yes, he preaches with his hands going like this. I also bring you greetings from President Kevin Compline and from Greg Strand at the National Office and Jeff Powell and other EFCA leaders that I was with last week for strategic leadership meetings. It was good to be with all of them, even if I missed all of the excitement here. This summer, the adult class at Family Bible Week studied the Proverbs together. Do you remember that class? Okay, we're going to apply what we learned this, this week. And we look briefly at this one, chapter 15, verse 3. Some of you will remember even that. And my youth boys class, men, yeah, we know all about Proverbs, don't we? We're, we're going to get into Proverbs chapter, uh-huh. We're going to get into Proverbs chapter 14 this week at Family Bible Night when we, when we hit Wednesday night is starting up again this Wednesday night, and we're going to go at it hard. So uh, everybody come out this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. There's something for, for everybody. So this should whet our appetites for that. Today's message is just one verse. I'm trying to compete with Abe. He's really short. I'm going to be short this morning. Just one verse. A proverb. What's a proverb? A proverb is a special kind of biblical writing. It isn't like other kinds of writing in your Bible. It's not like an epistle. You know what an epistle is, right? A female apostle? No? Okay. It's not like law or history or psalm or a gospel. What is a proverb? A proverb is its own thing. A proverb is a short statement of W-I-S-D-O-M, right? A short statement of wisdom. A proverb is a pithy saying, just a few lines, often just two 
One two-lined sentence that gives wisdom for living skillfully in God's world. Let me give you that definition again. A proverb is a pithy saying in just a few lines, often just one two-lined sentence that gives wisdom for living skillfully in God's world. A proverb is a short saying that is meant to make a person think about biblical living in the world that God rules. So here's the real key to reading and understanding and using the Proverbs. You want to know how to read and use and understand the Proverbs? Treat them like a piece of gum. Okay, everybody, you may unwrap your piece of gum and commence chewing. Some of you have been doing this for an hour already, I know. Some of you will remember the adult class doing something like this with some lifesavers a few years ago. The way to really understand a Proverb is to chew on it, to meditate on it. Here's Proverbs 15, verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. King James, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, or I'm sorry, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. This is why our youth boys memorize the proverb every week. It's not just because it's short and easy to memorize as you cram for class as you come on Wednesday night. It's because it's easy to memorize and then just chew on it all day long. And it, unlike this gum, the Proverbs don't actually lose their flavor. The more you chew on it, the more you can savor it. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it comes to us in different ways. There are songs, there's law code, there's history, there's letters, there's prophecy. Your word is, it's amazing. It's so varied. And yet it has a consistent message, true from beginning to end. Help us, Lord, to get, to just chew on this one verse and to get what it is saying to us today. For the glory of Jesus Christ, and in his name we pray. Amen. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Let's chew on this for a while together. How does that proverb make you feel when you first hear it? How does it make you feel when you hear it the second time, or the third, or the the fourth? My kids have heard me preach this message before. They've probably heard this 12 times. How does it make you feel the 12th time you hear it? The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The first thing I think about are these eyes. Does God really have eyes? Well, no, not in the sense that there's these great big heavenly eyeballs with divine retinas and corneas and pupils and optic nerves. 
Saying the eyes of the Lord is using anthropomorphic language to help us to understand God. Anthropomorphic is just a big word that means to use human, anthropos, traits on our level to explain some facet of God's traits on His divine level. And we have to stretch our little human categories up to understand His category. He sees. He looks. He knows. He has vision. What do... What we do when we look with our eyes on our level, he does when he looks with his eyes on his level. The eyes of the Lord. The Bible calls him the God who sees. The Hebrew is El Roy. You see that in Genesis chapter 16, verse 13. El Roy, the God who sees. Where are these eyes? The eyes of the Lord are what? Everywhere, or in every place, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Everywhere. Chew on that for a little bit. Everywhere. Right here in this room. Well, we knew that, right? We're at church. Outside? Everywhere outside? In every room in this building? In every room in your house? The living room, the TV room, the kitchen, the den, the bedroom, the bathroom, in the medicine closet, in the laundry room, out on the porch, the garage, the shed, the smithy. Not everybody has one of those. The chicken coop, the doghouse, out back in the woods. You ever like to just get away? Get as far away from humans as possible? He's there. The eyes of the Lord are there. At your neighbor's house. At school. In the lunchroom. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. At your locker, students. In your desk. In your backpack. Out on the football field. In the gymnasium. You know, sometimes we say, the Lord must have been watching me. And he was. But not just then, and not just there, when we say that. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. On the school bus. In the back seat. In the corner. In the principal's office. In the computer lab, the eyes, do they still have computer labs? I don't know. Maybe we don't even do that anymore. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The first time I began to chew on this verse, to really chew on this proverb, I had this image come to my mind of turning on my computer and seeing these big eyes looking back at me through the screen. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Everywhere. I'm not done. At work? In the boardroom? At the reception desk? In the shop? On the shop floor? In your truck? In your office? In the hallways? At the doctor's office? 
at the restaurant, out on the open road, in the halls of power, in the back rooms where things really get decided, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Have you ever used Google Earth? Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of you do, some of you don't. There's this computer program attached to Google that allows you to go just about anywhere on the planet and view composite satellite pictures of just about any spot on God's green earth. Heather and I have a friend who's a missionary, was a missionary in Pakistan, and he came to visit us one year. When they were at our house, he showed us on Google Earth where they lived and worked in Pakistan. He could show us, like, that's the building right there. Isn't that amazing? You know the guy that gave us the quote on the roof that we're going with? Um, next month, he didn't. at first he didn't come out and walk the roof and measure it. You know what he did? He opened up Google Earth and he got the measurements of our roof from Google Earth. Okay? Crazy, huh? Now, it's not in real time, so, you know, this is not person of interest. You don't see people walking around and everything. But it's pretty amazing how you can zoom in and see millions of p- places in the world firsthand. Like something out of science fiction. But even with Google Earth, there are places you cannot see. Right? And rightly so. But God sees it all. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Does anybody here know where Robert William Fisher is hiding? Does anybody know who Robert William Fisher is? I didn't either. I googled. He's the man at the top of the FBI's 10 most wanted list. It says Robert William Fisher is wanted for allegedly killing his wife and two young children and then blowing up the house in which they all lived in Scottsdale, Arizona in April of 2001. The FBI is offering a reward of up to $100,000 for information leading directly to the arrest of Robert William Fisher. If you know where he is, let me know. Okay. No human being Almost no human beings know where he is right now. He has outwitted the FBI since 2001. But the Lord knows where Mr. Fisher is. He is watching him right now. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Is that mind-blowing? It should be. It should lead us to worship God. What's the theologian word for this? It's one of the omnis. Which, Which one is it? Omniscience. That's right. God is omniscient. He knows everything. He sees everything. You might say omnipresence too. Yeah, because He is everywhere as well. You're right. Nothing is hidden from Him. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Solomon says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. This should cause us to worship. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. It's the beginning of worship too. To realize that God is God like that should direct our hearts to revere Him. If there's a being who knows all of that, He deserves our worship. 
Now remember, this is a proverb. Right? Those of you who are in my class, you know where I'm going with this, especially my Wednesday night guys. You know my mantra, right? The problems are not just informational, they are transformational. Amen. All right. This is not just a statement of fact, it's a statement of wisdom. This is not just a the Proverbs 15.3 is not just here to inform us, but to transform us, to make us wise. It's not just like, oh, that's interesting. God knows everything. Okay. We don't stop there with the information. No, we're supposed to be changed by the reading of Proverbs 15.3. How are we supposed to be changed by Proverbs 15.3? The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Chew on that for a little bit. Notice in the B line, the second bit there, that Solomon divides people up into two categories, the wicked and the good. The, the bad guys and the good guys. The black hats and the white hats. The people who are against God and the people who are God's people. There are two paths, two ways to live. That's a common theme in the wisdom literature. Now, we all know that there's a, lot of, there's a little good in all bad people. We call that common grace. And that there's still a good deal of bad in all the saved people. We call that indwelling sin. But there are ultimately just two paths, two ways to live, two kinds of people. And which kind does God keep watch on? Can't fool you guys. It's both, right? Both. So I think that meditating on Proverbs 15.3 will probably create at least two different applications depending on which path you're on or which path you're acting like you're on. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. How you encounter this verse personally may say something about your conscience. For many of you, you had very happy thoughts when I first read it to you. Right? When I read it this morning, I said, how does it make you feel? You're like, whew. When I first read it, it made me uncomfortable. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Even when I'm miles away from home, up in Minnesota, or over in Philadelphia. You remember, I told this story before, but it's a good one. About 10 years ago, I was a doctoral student at Westminster Theological Seminary, working on my doctoral project on gossip, and for several weeks, uh, over two years, I took classes on campus there in Philadelphia. You remember when I was running back and forth? 225 miles away, staying in a foreign city. Almost nobody there knows me. So I think that I can order two suppers at Chick-fil-A, and nobody needs to know. <laughs> what happens in Philadelphia stays in Philadelphia. So I come home from that, and Heather's going through my receipts for me and putting them in. You see where this is going? putting them in order in our envelopes for receipts and our little system, and she clucks. And my little forays into gluttony. Two chicken suppers, Matthew? The date stamp on this are pretty close together. Two sandwiches at McDonald's? That's kind of late night. Late night snack at Papa Burger. Oh. Now, I'm glad she kept me accountable. You probably need to do that for last week's meals, too. 
Because I felt at the time like nobody was watching. One of my professors from back then, Ed Welch, the guy that wrote the foreword to my book, told a story in my classes about heading off to an airport in a foreign country and being accosted by the pornography in the bookstore of the airport while he was waiting for his plane to take off. He said that there are no plastic wrappers there, no fences to keep the porn away from people to make it hard to buy. It's just right there beckoning for you to take it. And there he was in a foreign country. He'd he'd just been teaching these biblical counseling classes. And he'd gone to the airport. He's all by himself. He's got nothing to do and nowhere anywhere that knew him to keep him from doing something he shouldn't. My professor reminded himself that God is everywhere. And he walked right on by it and found his seat by a window to wait for his plane. You know what happened next? You want to hear the rest of the story? The biblical counseling class he'd been teaching had decided to all come to the airport to find this professor and see him off. What a terrible thing it would have been for them to find him leafing through pornography in the bookstore instead of quietly reading his book at the gate. But whether or not the class came, God was there. And God is the most important person in the universe. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. See, this proverb is meant to build some of the fear of the Lord in us. Especially if we are being wicked. We like to think we can hide, that we can get away with something. But the Bible says we can be sure that our sins will find us out. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Keeping watch on the wicked and the good. There's no such thing as secret sin. Perhaps there's something you have done that nobody but you knows about. And you hope it stays that way. But there is at least one other who knows. He watches. He sees. And there will be accountability. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The more that I chew on this proverb, the more I realize, however, what good news it is. At first it felt intrusive. That was my first sinful response, like Adam trying to cover up. But it's becoming more and more comforting to me as I respond to it in faith. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Keeping watch on the righteous. Keeping watch on God's chosen. Keeping watch on God's children. These eyes are my heavenly Father's eyes. These are the eyes of the Lord. Did you see that? Capital L-O-R-D. When you see capital L-O-R-D in your Bible... You, you have, what you have there is untranslated the covenant name for God, Yahweh. This is God's special name to declare His covenant faithfulness to His people. So these are faithful eyes that are looking at you. This is God's special name. Do you remember when, when Moses said, we talked about this this summer in prayer meeting, do you remember that when Moses said, show me your glory? And what did the Lord do? He told him his name. He said, the Lord, 
the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. That's whose eyes are everywhere. They're my heavenly Father's eyes. These are caring eyes. These are loving eyes. These, these are concerned eyes. These are eyes that are fixed on me for my good. That changes everything, doesn't it? For his children, he is watching to help. So are you afraid right now? Are you attacked by all kinds of fears? Worry? Anxiety? Panic? Panic attacks? Spousal attacks? Attacks at work? Fears for yourself? For your family? For your job? Your financial security? Your health? Your church? Your country? Hear this proverb this morning. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Let that sink in. Maybe you're under a heavy load right now. Maybe you're experiencing some persecution, some trouble, maybe on the job. Maybe you're being hurt by someone. Proverbs, I mean, 1 Peter 3, quoting Psalm 34 says, Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. He sees He hears, and He will act. Now, it might not look like the kind of action that you want or expect, but it will be right on time and best for you and for me. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Maybe what you're struggling with right now seems kind of small. Right? It's not prayer request level. I wouldn't raise my hand and say it in church. But in fact, it might even seem too small to pray about. Maybe it's a little decision that you need to make and you you don't think it's worth God's time to bring it up. So you're just going to worry about it instead. He knows. He sees. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Nothing is too small for Him. He's watching things right now on the microbe level. At the subatomic level. Right now. The eyes of the Lord are at the subatomic level, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. You see how you can do this all day long? Don't worry, I will quit. But you can take a proverb at the head of your day, stick it between your cheek and your gum, and just suck on it all day long. This last summer, my two oldest children got their driver's licenses. Robin and Andrew are road legal. Stay off the sidewalks. Here they come. Now they can get in a car and drive really far away from me. And I can't see them. That has not been easy for dear old dad. I want to keep my eye on them. I want them to go back to their bicycles where I could yell their name out the front door and they would come back into view. But they are getting old enough that I need to allow them to spread their wings a little more. 
she's 18, so she can spread her wings wherever she wants to go, I guess. This helps me as I chew on it. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. I can't be everywhere. I can't keep up with everything. I can't see it all and control the information and the context and the setting and the details. When I found out about the mold last week, I got to worrying. I'm sorry, I should have just prayed and been fine. But instead, I got to worrying. This is why they didn't want to call me in Minnesota and tell me that there was mold. I was worried about my books. I heard I might be losing all my books. So buy books. I was worried about how everybody was processing this and how the meeting would go back here. And I had to, and I was preaching this verse. <laughs> I had to remind myself of this very verse. Even when I was preaching it to the folks at Fertile last Sunday morning. I can't see it all and control the information and the context and the setting and the, the details. And that's right. I'm just a man. But God can. And I can trust Him with them. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. By the way, don't stick it under the pew when you're done. <laughs> Two take-homes this morning as we go home. Number one, repent. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. So turn. If you and I are wicked or are acting like the wicked, we need to be called up short and turned from our wicked ways. And he, he sees us. And He won't let us get away with it. Sometimes we like to pretend in our vain imaginations that there are places where God does not show up. But the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. If you have been giving in to secret sin, this proverb is a call to repentance. It's wisdom. It's calling you to turn and turn to Him. Don't just turn away from secret sin. Turn to the Savior. Confess your sins to Him. He knows them already. You're just going to be agreeing with Him about what they truly are. And ask Him for help. Ask for grace to cut off your love affair with your secret sin and to live righteously. He gives it. He delights to give grace. This requires faith in Jesus. If you have not yet placed your trust in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, now is the time to do so. Because you see, God's eyes were on Jesus too. The eyes of the Lord are at the cross, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Everything God saw Jesus do was good. Jesus lived a perfect life before the face of God. And then God laid upon Him our sins, our transgressions, our iniquities, our secrets, our wickedness. And He poured out His punishing wrath on His one and only Son in our place. Jesus absorbed the justice that we deserve so that everyone who turns from their sins and puts their faith in Jesus are forgiven and made righteous in God's sight. They become, in other words, the good so that the eyes of the Lord keep fatherly watch on them not storing up wrath for them on the day of judgment. But make no mistake, if you do not trust Jesus as your rescuer and king, then that's exactly what the eyes of the Lord are doing. 
they are watching your life and preparing the justice that you deserve. So repent. And number two and last, take heart. Because if you belong to Jesus, then Proverbs 15.3 is gospel goodness for you. This is the best of news. Your heavenly Father is watching over you. You are not an orphan. You know, sometimes we act as if we're all alone in the universe. I know I felt at times like I was alone in Philadelphia 10 years ago and a few times last week in hotel rooms in Minnesota. I'm used to these five other inhabitants in my life, my family, especially my wife. But I was away from them all this time. But I wasn't alone. Not ultimately alone. No, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Take heart, believer. Your daddy's watching. Chew on that. Turn it over in your mind again and again and again. Let it sink into you. One of my favorite Old Testament verses is 2 Chronicles 16.9, which Marilyn put on the cover of your bulletin. It's where God tells King Asa, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. I get this picture of these eyes ranging through the earth, searching, looking into every nook and every cranny, every heart. And then He strengthens those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. So as we trust Him, He strengthens us. Let that be you and me. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. And that's good news. Let's pray together, friends. Lord, it's just one verse, but just like all the Proverbs, it is packed. There's so much here to chew on. Give us, Lord, this worldview to see the world as it really is. That our Lord sees everything because He's everywhere. You're everywhere. You're watching. And that's bad news if we are the wicked. I pray for anybody here who is trusting themselves or has not trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior that they would turn from their sin and trust in the Savior right now. Because there's no hope outside of Him. And I pray for any of us who have trusted in Jesus but are nursing some private hidden sin that we would bring it to You and confess it. And If we confess our sins, You are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Help us, Lord, to bring it into the light. Walk with you in the light. And help us, Lord, to realize that these eyes are fatherly eyes. They're for us eyes. This is good for us to be seen. Help us to live in that truth, Lord. It's so encouraging when we get there. It might take repentance. It definitely takes faith. 
Strengthen the hearts that are fully committed to You and make our hearts fully committed to You. So that when we go through fiery trials, Your grace will be sufficient. We'll know that Your eye is on us. Your eye is on the sparrow. We know You're watching us. We pray this in Jesus' name.